I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles. And this is your weekly update. It's Monday, September 20th. Let's start with the in case you missed it portion and then go on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. Okay, first of all, hope you guys enjoyed yesterday's little bonus episode. Got to include my little brother on (laughs) the podcast, which I thought was really fun. And I know that he listens every week. So, hey, Michael, shout out. Uh, Yeah, it was just really fun to have him on and kind of talk a little bit more in depth on football, because if it were up to me, I would probably make it an all football podcast. But (laughs) um, but I don't really want to bore you that much. So so thanks for listening to yesterday, if that's what you did. And uh, this week we'll go back to or today's episode, we'll go back to the normal weekly update. I think we pretty much stick with the same topics as normal baseball, college football, NFL. We're not going to touch a ton on college football because I did a lot of that yesterday. Um, Golf and some Olympic sports quick stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's what we got on the dock today. This is the last two weeks of the MLB season, so we will have a lot of MLB headlines over the next couple of weeks as we approach the postseason. But let's go ahead and start with Cubs third baseman Patrick Wisdom. He scored a three-run home run in the eighth inning against the Brewers yesterday. His home run went 430 feet and made history, not by the length. I just think that's a really long way and needs to be acknowledged. But it was history-making in the sense that it was the 27th home run, and that breaks a record for the most home runs in a rookie season by a Cubs player ever. So congrats to Wisdom. Before his at-bat, when he scored the 27th home run, he actually had seven consecutive strikeouts. So if that doesn't tell you not to give up, kids, I don't know what does. Dodgers pitcher Clayton Kershaw won his first game since June. He's been out with elbow soreness. 
and he won against the Reds yesterday. He struck out eight players and only allowed one run, and he pitched for five innings. So that is very, very good news for Dodgers fans as we approach the postseason as they're supposed to be one of the top teams to watch. And in some sad news, Nationals catcher Alex Avila has announced that he's retiring at the end of this season. He has been in the majors on and off for the last 13 seasons. And if you say, hey, wait, I recognize that last name, um, and you're in the Detroit area, that's probably because he is actually the son of Tiger's general manager. Alex announced his retirement before the Rockies game. And actually, it was a really fitting way to do it because the team came back to snap the Rockies' five-game road-winning streak with winning 3-0 and over them. So kind of a fitting way to go out. Moving on to college football, like I said, we touched on a lot of this in yesterday's episode with little brother Michael. There were six losses in the top 25, but I think more importantly, the top teams are looking a little vulnerable so those losses were number 11, Florida, 15, VTech, 13, UCLA, and I always switch those, 19, Arizona State, and 24, Miami. So like I said, more importantly, some of those major teams that we've seen in college football playoffs over the last couple of years did not look good. And so I'm going to touch on those now. Number one, Alabama was up big, 21 points at half on Florida. When Florida Gators came charging back and actually lost by a failed two-point conversion, 31-29, to it was a terrible, terrible play call by Florida, in my opinion, and that's all it took to uh, put Alabama in jeopardy. So we all know Nick Saban wasn't happy. Number six, Clemson nearly got upset by a bad Georgia Tech team, only winning by eight. Number three, Oklahoma only won by seven against Nebraska, who was going down the to score on the final game, what would have been the game-tying touchdown in the final drive of the game. And number 10, Ohio State, although the score looks okay by the end of the game, it, it was in serious jeopardy of losing to a winless, winless Tulsa team. All three, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Ohio State, not Alabama, teams fell in the rankings, and Ohio State has not been ranked this low, number 10, since 2014. All right, we all know times that your boyfriend or husband has been like, the refs blew it, the game, they sucked the whole time. Um, not necessarily untrue this weekend. We had some problems with the SEC officials in two games specifically that I'm going to touch on. In the Penn State-Auburn game, so the headline game day game, the officials cost Penn State a down during the first half of the game when the Nittley Lions were trailing 10-7. to This forced Penn State to punt on what was actually third down. Luckily, ended up not affecting the final score as Penn State did come back to win, but could have been pretty big and glad that the officials didn't actually affect the outcome of the game. The same cannot be said for the Mississippi State versus Memphis game, however, with only 5.58 left in the game, Mississippi State punted the ball. And, okay, bear with me. A Mississippi State player stopped the ball around the goal line. A ref actually whistles, calling the play dead. And a Memphis returner picked up the ball and ran it in for a touchdown, and somehow it counted. Afterwards, the officials announced that the play should not have happened. Oh, and the kicker, ironically, is the kicker, also on that play, was wearing number four, which so was another player. That is also a penalty. Not a good day for refs in college football. 
Moving on to the NFL. Week two had some interesting storylines, mainly that the rookie QBs are not doing so great. Probably with the exception of Mac Jones for the Patriots. He did get the W, although it was against the Jets, so how does that really count? Former Ohio State QB Justin Fields saw the field for the Bears after Andy Dalton went down in the third quarter. Fields did get a victory, but it was not overly impressive. Former BYU QB Zach Wilson flat out unimpressive would be a light way of saying that because he threw four interceptions in his first 10 passes and also scored zero touchdowns. Jaguars QB Trevor Lawrence also threw two interceptions in their game against the Broncos where they lost 23-13. The other major storyline that kind of went across all the games was injuries. Obviously, I touched on Andy Dalton going out for the Bears, and that was not the only one. Colts QB Carson Wentz went down in the fourth quarter. The 49ers lost three running backs, and they've already had injury problems this season. The Steelers lost Four starters by halftime, including T.J. Watt. And the Texans QB Tyrod Taylor also went down in the second half against the Browns. Just all around not a great day for injuries in the NFL. (laughs) But let's tell you who did have a good day. Lamar Jackson finally got a win over QB Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And he was coming off that loss the first week in overtime. So he was really glad to have all of that kind of shaken off and the stigma that he couldn't beat the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Also having a good day were the Dallas Cowboys and Greg the Leg. For those of you who don't know, that is the Cowboys kicker. And he had a rough first week missing a field goal and a point after touchdown, that one extra point to lose to the Bucks, And that would have made the difference there to hand Tom Brady that loss. But the Cowboys beat the Chargers this week in a long shot by that 56-yard field goal in the final seconds of the game. So Greg the Leg redemption tour. We have quite a bit of golf news this week. The PGA Tour started their 2021-2022 season with the Fortnite Championship in Napa. And a homegrown state of California boy, Max Homa, took home that first win of the season. He actually holed out for Eagle from 95 yards on the 12th, which began his back nine comeback. He was three strokes behind Maverick McNeely with seven holes to go. And his final round score of seven under put him in the lead by one. So congrats to Max. The PGA Tour basically handed out what they consider their MVP awards. Will Zalatoris won Rookie of the Year, despite not being a full-time member of the PGA Tour. The last time that actually happened was 2001 with Charles Howell III, a big staple on the PGA Tour now. Zalatoris was able to compete on the PGA Tour so many times without being a member by earning a spot at the U.S. Open, where he finished T6, which means tied for sixth. He also had two other top tens, which earned him temporary membership in November. And then we all remember when he got a runner-up finish at the Masters to Hideki Matsuyama. He finished last season number 25 on the FedEx Cup points list. So he will have his full PGA Tour card for next year. To no one's surprise, Patrick Cantlay won PGA Tour Player of the Year. Like I said, not surprising. However, he did beat out John Rahm, who's ranked world number one. Patrick Cantlay took home the most PGA Tour titles over the season with four and also won the FedEx Cup. 
The other reason why golf is important this week is the Ryder Cup competes this week. That is Team Europe versus Team USA. And yes, you heard that correctly. It is team oriented. It is still golf, but now we play as a team. Team USA already has drama between it, trying to see if Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau can put their feud aside to be successful for Team USA. And let's go ahead and tell you that uh, Team USA is fighting an uphill battle here because the EU has taken nine of the last 12 Ryder Cup victories. I will have a blog post later in the week with how everything works on the Ryder Cup. So if you want to know what you're talking about when you watch it this weekend or when your husband has it on, please go check that out. I just have two quick little Olympic sports stories. COVID is still obviously very much a part of our lives, and that will continue to the Beijing 2022 Olympics. They have announced that they will keep tight COVID countermeasures in place for those games. Vaccination will not be required, but it will be recommended. And more vaccines are being ordered by the country so that they will be ready for the games. According to Chinese government, 72% of the population that can be vaccinated has been vaccinated. So we will see how those games progress as we move towards February. In news that was kind of hard to watch, Team USA gymnasts gave testimony in a case against the FBI basically saying how badly they handled the Larry Nasser case. If you're sitting there saying, remind me what the Larry Nasser case was, that was the Team USA doctor and trainer that sexually abused hundreds of young gymnasts while training for the Olympics and other competitions. Simone Biles, Allie Raisman, and Michaela Maroney, all former Olympians, took the stand to say how badly it was handled and how disappointed they were with the length of time that passed between when he was first reported and when something was actually done, causing many, many more girls to be molested. That is it for the weekly update. As to what to watch this upcoming week and weekend, we have plenty of baseball because, again, MLB, it's the final two weeks of the regular season. This makes the last two weeks super important for those teams that are fighting for wild card spots. Week four in college football features two ranked versus ranked games, both in neutral sites. College game day will be in Chicago for Notre Dame versus Wisconsin. And the other ranked versus ranked game is Texas A&M versus Arkansas will be played in Dallas. Also being contested, and although neither team is actually ranked, is the battle of DFW, so Dallas-Fort Worth, between SMU and TCU. TCU is actually first out of the top 25, and SMU has been taking care of business, including scoring a last play of the game TD in this last week. I only have number seven, Texas A&M, on upset watch here. Again, I think Arkansas is tricky, and they obviously already put away Texas A&M's rival of Texas, so we'll see if they can do the same thing to the Aggies. In the NFL, we have Monday Night Football, the Detroit Lions versus the Green Bay Packers tonight at 7.15 on ESPN. That still counts in the previous week's games, and then this next coming week, We have Thursday night, the Panthers at the Texans at 720 on NFL Network. And then Sunday, we have nine games at noon, depending on your geographical location. Two games at 305, two games at 325, again, depending on where you're located. And the 49ers at the Packers at 720 on NBC, finishing out your NFL Sunday. And then 
Monday Night Football. Next week will be the Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys at 7.15 on ESPN. They hate each other, so that will be a very good game. The only thing to watch this upcoming week in the world of golf is, of course, the Ryder Cup. Day one starts at 7 a.m. on Golf Channel on Friday. Then day two is Saturday, and the final day being day three on Sunday. That will be featured on Golf Channel and then on NBC throughout the weekend. The NHL actually picks up this week starting on Saturday. However, none of the games are actually televised on normal cable channels, so I didn't bother reporting them. But the NHL does begin season. And just like that, that's today's episode. Obviously, there are plenty more football, soccer, baseball games going on. If you want more details, go check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports. And I hope you'll tune in next week for the weekly update. Thanks, y'all.